We are going to start a whole new train of thought, a whole new teaching today that I want to jump into called Foolish. And uh, you might have saw the ad there using that little ditty by Ashanti. How many of y'all remember Ashanti? Come on. I saw you moving. I saw couples grabbing hands and stuff like that. Uh, that, that song there, when I was putting together this, this uh, message there, I don't know, I just heard that song in my mind because it was called Foolish, you know? And so, uh, but that's what I want to talk about today. That's what the Lord's really put on my mind and my heart to share with you. And for the next couple of weeks, we really want to delve into uh, what the Bible has to say about wisdom and fools. Because right now in our day and age, we live in a time where people are calling wrong rights. They're calling bad good. And the Bible says when they do that, they, they, they profess to be wise, but they're really fools. And the problem with living in a time and in a culture like we live in in America, we live under that. We, those things influence our mind and our thinking. So many people are influenced by television, by the news, by uh, social media. There's more people that know the names of Beyonce's babies than they do about what's really going on in the government. It's true. It's true. There's more people concerned about what Kanye is up to with his fashion line than the fact that this past weekend, the president of China, their army did a, did a, did a big parade on display to show the rest of the world that they are ready to become a world power. And that if anybody comes against the Communist Party, they have stuff waiting for them. I know that's news to some of y'all because we don't, we're, we're more in tune with, uh, you know, Jay-Z's album just went platinum in a week. Come on, smile at me, folks. But see, we live in a day to where what's elevated is not wisdom. What's elevated is foolishness. The, it seems like the more foolish you are, the more popular you become. You know, that's why we have television shows. Who gets television shows? Are they making television shows about wise people? No, they're not. They're making television shows about love and hip-hop. They're making television shows about the wives that are getting played and the wives that are playing their husbands. Give them a show. Let's see the drama that ensues there. Amen? Let's do that. You know, when they, when they pick these, these uh, uh, casts for reality TV, they don't pick wise people. They pick people that are full of drama. They pick the person that's going to pop off if something, something, they, somebody says something bad to them. And so that kind of thing, it may seem small, but it elevates foolishness. And it gets in the hearts and minds of our young people, of us, to where we no longer know how to respond with wisdom. We only know how to respond with foolishness. And you get on social media and there's somebody complaining about something that happened and they tell their story. And, well, I did this. I wasn't going to let anybody talk to me that way. And then somebody comments, yeah, good job. Way to go. That's I ought to did the same thing. I ought to cap that fool if they had did that. And you just sit there and go, what is going on? You want to know what's going on? We're living in a time of foolishness. But we can't be uh, susceptible to that. We've got to make sure that you and I hunger after righteousness and wisdom. Look at Romans chapter 1, 20 through 25. It says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful 
but they became futile in their thoughts. And here it is. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for your presence. I know your presence is here, Father. We, we felt it during worship. And that, Father, as we move into this portion where your word is going to begin to speak, we open up our hearts and our minds. We ask, Lord God, that you would give us a greater appetite for the wisdom of God. Father, that you would allow, uh, that, that you would move and, and that we would allow you to change our thinking and to confront our lives so that we can be more like you. We ask this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So this, this Romans chapter 1 here is very prophetic in nature. It, it speaks about the time that we live in. It speaks about a time where the hearts of many people are darkened because of foolishness. And professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. So much so that we've got NBA basketball players that are standing in front of middle school students and telling them the world is flat. Did y'all see that on the news? Flat. And people are going, huh, maybe it is. This argument's been going on on social media. But when you understand science, you understand how foolish that is. But see, these are the arguments that are going out there today. Here's uh, all this stuff that our news is filled with today. It's foolishness. And all the while, the people that are spouting the foolishness are declaring to be wiser than everybody else. We have an argument in society today about the transgender problems and, 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 and uh, uh, all the stuff that's in the headlines about whether a, what makes a man a man and what makes a girl a girl. That's an easy question. Come on, somebody. Am I the only one that gets that? But, you know, the wise people in their eyes think that that is an argument that should be an argument. There's no argument there. But see, people are professing themselves to be wise when they're really just foolish. And this is happening in our world. And what begins to happen with a foolish heart? The Bible says it begins to get darkened. It begins to get darkened, and it says here that God gives them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their heart. Basically, this is what happens. God just says, well, if you want it, have it. If that's what you want, go ahead. And we have a whole generation of people that the lust of their heart runs their life. They're given to uncleanliness. They dishonor their bodies among themselves. All this stuff speaks of the generation that we're in today. And then Proverbs chapter 1, go ahead and put that on the screen there, verse 7. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And it says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And this right here is what separates us or what should separate us from the people of the world. We got to love knowledge and wisdom. Can I get an amen on that? We've got to learn how to develop proper appetites for the right thing. 
We live in a country right now that their appetites are all out of whack. They have appetites for reality TV. They have appetites for gossip about their favorite stars. They have appetites for drama. What, what, what fills the news is bad news about folks. There's, that, that is there because there's an appetite for it. What there's not enough appetite of is for wisdom and instruction. This needs to be the principal appetite of the people of God. And this is where we begin to see uh, things change in our life. Because some of y'all in here, can, we, can I just be honest with us, honest with you? Or do you want me to lie to you today? You want me to lie to you to make you feel good today? Because I don't do that. Uh, but to help you, we've got we've to be real honest. And there's some of us in this room, your appetites are out of whack. All you like is drama. You like gossip. You like the things that I just described about earlier on TV and stuff. And listen, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, stop watching it. Some of us have our little guilty pleasures. We like getting in on some of them shows every once in a while, you know. And, hey, that's, that's between you and God, okay? I'm not here to, I'm not the TV police, amen? Uh, I get it. But here's the problem. If you let your appetite be out of whack for that stuff, you will then begin to despise the things that God wants you to love, which is wisdom and knowledge, okay? So Proverbs 1, 7 says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And this is where I want to start today, on understanding what it is that you and I need to keep us from being foolish. Because there's a little bit of a fool inside of everybody. Can I get an amen on that? You may not want to admit it, but he's in there. You may not want to admit it, ladies, but she's in there. I heard a quote recently. Somebody said that even great people do dumb things. How many know that's true? Come on, you can look through history. There have been some great people out there that didn't get everything right. So we have to understand that we have to make sure that we're going to be people of God that love wisdom and instruction, and we're not going to be foolish. Even if the rest of our society, come on, even if the rest of our school, even if everybody we work with, come on, even if all of our family, hello, are fools, we're not going to let that be the case for, for us. Can I get an amen on that? So we got to start with Proverbs. So Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And this always kind of like is one of those scriptures that it, it, when, you, when you first read it, it's kind of like, what? What is it talking about? The fear of the Lord. And I'm not supposed to be afraid of God. Like, you know, uh, I, I thought Jesus took care of my reasons for being afraid of God. Well, it's a different kind of uh, fear. It's not the fear that you're afraid that God is going to get you. We know God is not up there trying to get folks. He loves you. He's a loving father. He's not the old man up there with a lightning bolt waiting for you to mess up. Amen? How many thank God for that? Because we would all be dead. Amen? We would all be dead, me included. If every time we messed up, God was going to strike us with lightning, there wouldn't be nothing but crispy critters up in here today. Because some of y'all already had thoughts coming into church, you know? He's not like that. What he is, he's a loving father. So how should I fear a loving father? Well, that's when you got to understand the Hebrew in the Greek. And the Hebrew word for fear that is used here in Proverbs is yare, yare, Y-A-R-E. And what that speaks of, it, that, that word fear there, it means to respect or reverence God. Now, I want my kids 
to respect and reverence me. I don't want them to be afraid of me. Come on, somebody. How many know what I'm talking about? See, as a father, I don't want my kids to be afraid to come home, right? No, no dad wants that. But what we do want is we want proper respect that when, you know, you come home, they're going to honor and respect you. And if you are a father, you should want that. Amen? It's good to give your dad the best seat at the table. Can I get a strong amen on that? It's good that if you're watching TV and your dad comes home, you move and you give them the good seat. It's good. That's reverence and honor in that. Amen? It's good. Now, he doesn't have to take it. If he takes it, fine. If he doesn't, that's fine. But you honor it. You give those things because that is a sign of yare there or to respect or reverence. That's the same kind of thing, the way we need to approach God. So it's the, to respect or reverence. I like, there's another, there's another word in the Hebrew that talks about fear. It's yira, yira. Tell, tell your neighbor, yira. No, it's not marine talk right there. I know it sounds close, but what that means is to respect. And listen to this one. It means to respect that acknowledges, it's a respect that acknowledges good intentions. In other words, is I respect you because I know you want the best for me. That's a deep Hebrew meaning right there of that word. And here's the thing. It's produced by understanding the word of God. It makes one receptive to wisdom and knowledge. That's what the writer in Proverbs is talking about there. He's saying before you can appreciate wisdom and knowledge, you got to first have a reverence for God that is produced by understanding he loves you. He wants the best for you. And when you understand that, you then want to have a respect of where you're afraid of letting God down. Are you catching me today? Amen? The Greek has a word for fear there that's called phobos. And that word there means the fear of displeasing God. And we see that word a lot in the New Testament, phobos. Tell your neighbor phobos. I don't want to start a fight in here. I know it. Uh, But it's the fear of displeasing God. And again, you say, man, but I thought fear was bad. It's not the same type of fear. It's more of a reverence. It's more of a desire to want to make your spouse happy. Now, there's a difference. I want you to track with me right now. I want, my wife should have a desire and, and, and a want to please me. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen on that? She should want that, okay? But that doesn't denote a fear. That just denotes a feeling of wanting to not displease me. And there's a difference. I should have that same desire for her to where I want to please her. It's not like a fear, like, oh, my gosh, if she, if she comes home and this pan is out here, oh, no. It shouldn't be. It's not that. Put the, get that off your plate. Come on. We'll help you with that. Come to the marriage awakening. We'll deal with that. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's the desire that when I do come home, I want to do something to make her happy. Are you tracking with me? We need that in our relationship with God. Matter of fact, you need that to begin to appreciate the wisdom and instruction of God. Because understand this, if you don't first want to please God, then you don't care about what God says. And this is the problem we have in churches. Because people, not, in, not here, Praise God, I hope not. But there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that have no desire to do God's will. You know why they're in church today? So that one day they don't go to hell. 
That's the extent of their spirituality. This is their payment on fire insurance. They're just hoping that God will let them in to the pearly gates. Leave me alone, my life here, God, but just make sure that I get in for all eternity. See, you'll never have a love for wisdom and instruction with that attitude. Until you come to a revelation of understanding, God loves me so much, he wants the best for me. That revelation will cause you to find out, well, what is God's will for my life? Because I bet you his will for your life is better than your will for your life. His will for your kids is better than your little will for your kids or your marriage or your money or your finances. But you got to have that understanding that what God wants for me is bigger than what I want for myself. Are you tracking with me? So we need to have that kind of respect or reverence. And so when you read Proverbs 1, 7, it says it's the respect and reverence and fear of displeasing God. That's the beginning of knowledge. That's where you got to start. Sure, you got saved, but now you know what you should be consumed with? God, you're so good to me. I just want to please you. I just want to please you. If somebody saved your life, they used to do this a lot in the movies and stuff. If somebody's life got saved by somebody, that person would go to them and say, I owe you my life. What, I'm gonna, and they'd follow them around and stuff like that and do whatever they say. That's how we need to be with God. He loves me so much that how could I not want to do good for him? I deserve hell, not just for eternity, but in the now because of the dirt I've done in the past. Come on, somebody. And don't look at me like that. So do you. Because the way you've hurt people, the way you've lied, the way you've let things down. The Bible says if you break one uh, thing in the law, you're guilty of it all. So that means according to God, if you lie, you're also a murderer. If you steal, you're also an adulterer. Because he said if you break one thing, you're guilty of it all. So thank God that he set us free from that. A proper response to somebody that's really saved is like, okay, God, what do you want me to do with my life now? Now, I got to say somebody that's really saved because we got this kind of thing out there to where people just come to Jesus because of eternity and they never have a heart change. You know what that's called? That's called a Pharisee. It's called a Pharisee. There's literal Pharisee Christianity in America today. What was the problem that Jesus had with the Pharisees? They had a lot of outward right, but a wrong heart. They never let God change their heart. And so we've got to allow our hearts to change towards God. Are you tracking with me today? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, 7 and 8. Proverbs chapter 4, 7 and 8. I'm going to help you today. We don't want no fools no more. Proverbs 4, 7 and 8. It says this, wisdom is the principal thing. Let me stop right there. Wisdom is the principal thing. Basically, it says this, wisdom is the first thing. Tell your neighbor it's the first thing. It's not the second thing. Being pretty is not the first thing. Being fine is not the first thing. I didn't get no amens right there. <laughs> Fellas were like, oh, I don't know if I can amen that one, Pastor, because fine goes a long way. It goes a long way. Ain't nothing wrong with fine, but it ain't the principal thing. According to the word of God, the principal thing is wisdom. Let's keep reading. It says, therefore, since it's first, Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Now, I want to challenge every single person in here. What 
are you doing to get wisdom? Can we just be honest? Some of us ain't doing nothing to get wisdom. We're trying to get everything else except wisdom. We got fools in here trying to get a girlfriend. You better get some wisdom first. And the ladies said, oh, but ladies, we got some ladies trying to get a boyfriend. You got to get some sense and some wisdom. Amen? So wisdom's a principal thing. It's the first thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Look what it says here. And in all you're getting, get understanding. And then it says this, exalt her. What's the her? It's talking about wisdom. I think it's interesting that it compares wisdom with a her. It doesn't say him. Wisdom is referred to as a her. I don't know why y'all laughing, but listen to this. It says, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. I want you to highlight that in your Bible you know, I, I used to say get a tattoo of that scripture right there. Then folks started doing it and jacking their bodies up. And, and then, uh, just, just remember that scripture. Remember that scripture. What's it saying? Wisdom's the principal thing. It's the principal thing. Wisdom comes first. Before you say amen, ask yourself, when was the last time you bought a book? It ain't the principal thing if you ain't going after it. When was the last time you took some notes in church? When was the last time you heard a sermon and you was like waiting for something to come that you could apply into your life? That's how you need to position yourself for wisdom. Get wisdom. Notice it doesn't say that wisdom is going to come. You got to go get it. You got to chase it. You got to do whatever you got to do to pursue it. And that's why it's like a girl. Maybe part of it. There's a whole nother sermon right there. <laughs> get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt it and it will promote you. you I, I just pray what will begin to happen in this place is our value system of what's important in your life will begin to change. You got, some of us, we got other things in front of wisdom. We got success. We got money. We got happiness. We got feeling good. All that stuff takes, 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 comes before, takes precedence. Thank you. It takes precedence before wisdom. And Jesus says, you got your priorities out of whack. Begin to pursue wisdom first. Are you tracking with me? Okay, let's keep going. What is wisdom? Here's a, here's a great definition of wisdom that I love. Wisdom is the ability to recognize difference. Wisdom is the ability to recognize difference. Some people, well, we all need wisdom. You say, well, what does that mean? It's the ability to recognize difference. It's the ability to discern right and wrong. A wise person can make better choices than somebody without wisdom. Wisdom can help you discern right and wrong in a person. Who's the right person? Who's the wrong person? It can help you discern what's the right job, what's the wrong job. Where's the right friends? Who's the wrong friends? That's what wisdom does. 
The wiser you become, the greater is your ability to recognize the difference in things. Wise people can realize there's a difference in people. Low-level people, you know what low-level people love? That's a nice way of saying unwise people or fools. Low-level people love teaching like we're all the same. They like that idea. Nobody's better than you. We're all the same. Can I just tell you we're not? Can you just be okay with that? How many of y'all love basketball in here? Michael Jordan ain't the same as you. Kobe Bryant ain't the same as you. But see, we like the mentality. We're all the same. We get, we get attitudes about it. Shoot, ain't nobody better than me. Well, there's a lot of people better than you, matter of fact. No. You see, wisdom helps you discern some people have what I don't have, and it's okay. That's what wisdom does. You know what fool, fools do? I ain't got to. He just like, he put on his pants just like me. He probably don't. He's probably smarter, found a better way than you do. You know what I'm talking about. Those sayings we say. Oh, they're a person just like me. That same blood in them is inside of me. See, that sounds nice, but it ain't true. It ain't true. We've got to learn how to discern when somebody is at another level than us. That's what wisdom will help you do. Because remember, what you honor, you attract. See, a lot of men have not yet learned to discern the difference in their woman. Got real quiet up in this Baptist church today. See, because wisdom will tell you she's different than you. Now, I know what the fools are saying. Gender doesn't matter. we're, We're after a genderless society. Why? Why would I want to lose the beauty of a woman? Why would I want to lose one of the greatest creations on the planet, the female species? She's better to look at than a guy? Come on, somebody. She offers me things that I can't have with just being surrounded by males. And on the other side of that, ladies, why would you want to lose a man? A man is a glorious thing. A man is a sustainer. He's a coverer. He's a protector. But a genderless society is just really nice. You know, we, why I let my son, uh, I let my child discern what he wants to be. What if he wants to be a dog? I had a cousin, man, when he was a kid. He would act like a dog. What if his parents were like, well, he wants to be a dog? We laugh, but it's out there. It's out there. That's that's why I'm preaching this today. Okay, that's why we got to get this today. Because wisdom understands the difference in things. The wisdom will give you the ability to discern where you should be and where you shouldn't be. What church should I be a part of? What church should I not be a part of? What friends should I have? What friends shouldn't I have? Who should I marry? Who should I date? And who shouldn't I not date? Are you with me today? That's what wisdom does, okay? Wisdom uh, is a a principal thing, okay? It's a principal thing. 
So where does wisdom come from? I want to end on this right now. Let me give you some things that the Bible tells us wisdom comes from. All right, I want you to write these down and pursue these things. Number one, wisdom comes from age. Age. Job chapter 12, verse 12. It says this, wisdom is found with age and long life with understanding. Now, let me also say this. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're wise. How many know some foolish old folks out there today, boy? Not in here, but they're out there. I'll tell you what. You don't need to listen to somebody just because they're old. But if you live right, age produces wisdom. It produces wisdom. So we need to learn how to embrace the wisdom of the elders. We need to understand, you know, it's good for young couples to get around people that have been married a amount of time. It's good because there's wisdom in that. And if you're somebody that is up in age, embrace your wisdom. Embrace that. Understand that it's the gift that comes with age. I know we live in a society right now where people despise getting old. But listen, part of, uh, of the blessing of aging is the wisdom that comes in your life. And so we have to also be able to embrace those things. So wisdom comes from age. So here's what young people need to learn. I need to listen to those that are older than me. I just lost half the crowd right there because we like to be independent. We millennials, you know, want to do our own thing. And we got a better way. And y'all didn't even have the Internet coming up. How am I supposed to listen to you? You didn't even have a cell phone till mid-90s. You was 25 when you got your first cell phone. Why should I be listening to you? All those things are out there, and they go on. But listen, the one well that you get wisdom from is people that are older than you. People that are older than you. The right people. Let me, just, let me just premise this. Godly people that are older than you. You, got, you, you need to have that. And if you're out there and, and, and you consider yourself, well, I'm old and there's all these young people. We need you in this church. We need you. You have a place. You set the platform. You show others, wow, somebody can be married 30 years. I think the Zimbados are coming up on how many years? How many years? 43 years. <laughs> Eddie Sr., how many years you got coming? 30, he's coming up on you. He's coming up. Can anybody beat 43 here? Anybody beat 43? See, see right there, those things there, those two experiences, there's a lot of places you can't, you can't go and get that. Who? The Mosses, how many years? 49. Why is that valuable? You want to know why that's valuable? Because some of us, if we just look at our family, nobody in our family has had a marriage that has lasted 10 years, 15 years. Everybody in our family, maybe you say, has gotten a divorce. So God puts people in you, around you with wisdom. And who are they? Many times it's the elders. Been married. Let me tell you something. You, you, you're in the 40s in your marriage. You know some stuff. Or you've been through some stuff. Or even this, you've done some dumb stuff. Can I get an amen on that? A lot of what we teach, my wife and I teach in our marriage stuff, is stuff that we did wrong. It's stuff that we had to work through. It's not always about perfection. But wisdom doesn't come from being perfect. Wisdom comes from making mistakes, too. So the first place we get wisdom from is age. 
So those of you that are getting older, embrace that. There's that you're full of value. And those of you that are young, begin to look to those that are the elders and begin to see there's something I can learn from them. Number two, the other area the Bible tells us wisdom comes from is from hanging with the righteous. Hanging with the righteous. Proverbs 37, 30 says this, the mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. I like that. That means when you get around folks that have, have Jesus and that have the same values of, as you, wisdom comes your way. But you hang out with fools, you're not going to get instruction. You're not going to get wisdom. You're going to get foolishness. Oh, but pastor, these are my friends. These are, that's fine. I'm not saying you got to be mean to them. I'm not saying you got to turn on them. I'm just telling you, you better get some people around you with some sense. Can I get an amen on that? And here's the thing. It ain't just going to happen. You got to make some steps to make it happen. You got to get involved in stuff. Man, I got to get around some godly couples. Well, come to the marriage thing. Well, I want to get around some other couples that are trying to do what we're doing. Come to the premarital class or go to this thing or come to one sisterhood and, and get around these other ladies or come to the, to the men's barbecue and get around some other guys. Listen, we're not perfect, but we're righteous. Because it's interesting, it says there, hang with the righteous. It doesn't say hang with the perfect. Are you tracking with me today? Because there's a difference in being righteous and perfect. First of all, nobody's perfect. And the way we're made righteous is not because we have it all together. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we just got to get around people that are righteous like us. And remember, they're not going to be perfect. They don't need to be. But the mouth of the righteous will speak wisdom to you. And we need to get around that. So you need to, you need to hang around righteous folks. Number three, the third place wisdom comes from. It comes from right living. Right living. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 2.26. It says, For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. What is the scripture saying? It's saying that God gives wisdom and knowledge to a man who is good in his sight. Put it this way, right living has advantages. Right living has advantages. The Bible also says that godliness with contentment is great gain. See, some of us, we get so sloppy in our living. We think God don't care if we're sleeping around. He cares. We think God don't care that we're robbing our job by clocking out early and leaving early. He cares. Right living produces wisdom and instruction. It matters to God. And we just, we live under this thing of, oh, well, God understands. God loves me. But you got to understand, just because God loves you doesn't mean that everything you do is right. Any parent knows that. You'll love your kids no matter what. But if they do something wrong, there's consequences. There's things that many times they don't get to experience when they, when they do wrong things. And we've got to get away from this doctrine of devils that says, well, I'm accepted in Christ, so I can just do whatever I want. No. There are advantages to right living. There are advantages. The Bible says wisdom will come from right living. So as long as you want to live wrong, you're a fool. 
I feel a tomato spirit in here. I got a white shirt on too. As long as you want to keep choosing to do wrong, you can't be wise. Right living releases wisdom. And there's some of us in this place right now, you got to make some hard decisions. You've been walking with that thing too, too long. You've been arguing with yourself, oh, well, God understands, you know, he knows I'm weak, and he knows I love this person, so I'm a, we sleep together, and we have sex, and he's cool with it because he, there's grace. No. <laughs> Smile at me today. No, it's right living is important. Amen? And right living release, releases wisdom. That's another place that you draw wisdom from. And last, Eddie, if you can come and help me. The last place we draw wisdom from, of course, is God and his word. James chapter 3, verse 17. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then it's peaceable. It's gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's God's wisdom. God's wisdom is always going to cause you to be at peace. God's wisdom is going to cause a, a, a gentle response, a willingness to yield, full of mercy and good fruit. That's the wisdom of God. Look, else, look what else it says in James chapter 1-5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all. Listen to this. He gives to all liberally. You know what that means? Our God is not stingy. It says, ask of God, and he'll basically pour out wisdom on you. He's not just going to go, oh, here's a little bit of wisdom. Here's a wisdom crumb. That's not our God. He liberally will give you, the Bible says, and without reproach, and it will be given unto him who asks. Let me read to you here Proverbs 3, 13 through 23. You can read it on the screen. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom. How many of us in here are unhappy? You're depressed. You deal with depression. You know what the Bible says? Happiness is found in finding wisdom. Let me keep reading. And the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain, talking about wisdom, than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with wisdom. You know what it's also saying there? Wisdom is much like precious metals and diamonds. What is it about precious metal and diamond that makes it valuable? You got to dig it out. You got to find it. You know where gold and silver resides in? The ground. You got to dig. You got to go after it. You got to pursue it. You may have to buy some tools. You may have to buy a, 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 one of them digging machines. You may have to invest, but it's there. You know what makes gold and silver valuable is that you're not just going to walk down the street and come upon a gold nugget unless it fell out of somebody's nose ring or earring. But you understand what I'm saying. You got to mine it. You got to go after it. You got to dig for it. It's precious. Look what else it says. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Wisdom will bring increase in wealth. That's what wisdom does. Let's keep going. Wisdom's ways are full of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. 
She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all who who retain her. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. And by his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. And listen to this. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. I want you to highlight that in your Bible. I want you to mark that in your word. This week, I want to challenge you to meditate on that. What the Father is trying to to tell us is you've got to change what you deem important in life and you've got to start placing a greater value on wisdom and understanding I say this all the time but we live in a society that doesn't have a problem paying $200 for a pair of shoes $300 for a handbag but won't pay $25 for a book that could change your life We have people that will pay $100 to go see their favorite artist at the Golden One and sit up in the rafters. But we don't got people that will pay a conference fee of $75 to sit in front of somebody for two hours and hear some wisdom. We got to change our priorities. Because according to God's word, wisdom is the principal thing. And you must dig it up. You must pursue it. It's going to cost you. Uh, Proverbs also says, even though it costs you, get it. Even though it's going to cost you a lot, get it. Because what does it say with wisdom is happiness? And it even says there with wisdom is riches. But you got to value it. We've got to change what it is that we deem as important. Let's stand on our feet right now. I want to leave you with Ephesians 5, 15. You look on the screen there. It says this. See, that, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but is wise, redeeming the time. Here it is. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand that the will of the Lord is, what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus submitting to one another in the fear of God. What it says here is this. Don't walk as a fool. Walk as somebody wise. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. Just close your eyes for the sake of privacy for everybody. I want to speak to your heart. There are some of you here, you have not yet made a decision to say, God, I want to please you. You've not yet given your life to the to the extent of understanding God loves you he's for you that's why he forgives you of your sin that's why he takes away every chain in your life that's why he does what he does it's because he loves you but maybe you've never made that proper response to the kind of love that he's given you to where you say God I want to do your will because I realize your will is better than mine you have greater things than I do Proverbs says that the beginning of wisdom. That is the beginning of a changed life. And maybe you're here today while nobody's looking around. I speak into your heart today. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. And I want to be exposed to his wisdom. I want to receive his instruction. I am ready 
to do what is right. Nobody's looking around. You don't need to be embarrassed, but if that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand right now because we need to we need to pray for you today. We need to submit this. We need to start a new journey. And if that's you today, I want you to just slip up a hand. Yeah, I see that hand over there. I see that. Anybody else? This is your moment. This is your time. This is the time where we awaken the wisdom of God for your life. Anybody else? Anybody else? Praise God. That that person there, those people that are raising their hands right now, I'm not going to call you to come forward right now. But I want us all to pray this prayer. And if you're raising your hand right now, I want you to mean this with your heart. Let's pray this together. Let's say, Jesus, I give you my life because I realize you're a good God. You're a loving Father. What you have for me is better better than anything that I can give to myself. Open my eyes to your wisdom. Open my eyes to your instruction. And do something deep within my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your eyes. Look up here. We're going to take a journey these next couple weeks going to have the Spirit of God open our eyes to His ways. Because some of us have been coming up on a wall in your life. You feel stuck. Why can't I break through? Why can't I go further? I'm believing that God is going to open your eyes to wisdom. And we're going to expose the little fool in all of us. And how that little fool tries to control our life and get us continuing to make the wrong decisions. Amen. Y'all ready to take this journey? Amen. Give God a good praise clap. Father, I just pray over every person that is here today, Lord God. We ask that you would open our hearts this week to your word. Help us change our priorities. Let wisdom be the principal thing in our life.